Season three, Manana. Jeff and Scott and Mrs. C. With Blanche and John, the crew, with new movie. It's so much fun that you'll have to pee. It's gonna cure your apathy. And on we, it's the Slum Gullians. Still booking guests on the Slum Gullians. You're not getting guests on the Slum Gullians. Should probably fade on the Slum and welcome to the Slum Gullion, America's only podcast. I'm Scott. Three hours in the future is Jeff. Future. And it hasn't gotten any better, warning you now. Ah, I didn't need to know that. And joining us briefly is our expert witness, Mary C., who uh, <laughs> only sat through part of our movie, but is as close as we come to a fairy specialist. I'll explain that later. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you, you? I do. Okay, witness has been sworn in. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Personally, I plan to lie my ass off the whole episode, but I'm glad one person is standing up for the American way. Anyway, so we've got something new this time. We were going to go deep, deep into the vaults. Deep, deep cover. Oh, such a deep cut. And we will probably do that next week. But something new came out, and that that is a rara avis these days. Disney dumped its potential new, probably not franchise, Artemis Fowl onto Disney+. And we, uh, I wouldn't say we jumped on it. We, we sort of circled it for a while and then fluttered down and began to, to pick at its fetid flesh like so many vultures. And uh, pretty much the taste was what you would expect. I'm really trying to clean up my act now because I do not want to come back as a vulture in my next life because uh, yes. it's not good. So Artemis Fowl, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I, I don't hear the kind of large scale wailing and gnashing of teeth and rending of garments that I would expect if you had. Um, However, the people who have seen it are are very, you know, into it and they are very mad at this movie, apparently. Well, the people who are devoted to the book series are up in arms and lighting their torches over this whole thing. I have not read the books. Have either of you read? No. I knew nothing about it at all until the movie came out and people started complaining. That's where I picked up most of my information about the books was from the inchoate raging on Twitter from people who were disappointed by the trailer and then outraged by the actual movie and the ramp up from disappointment to rage makes a lot of sense when you look at the trailer now compared to the film and realize they have absolutely no relation that there is stuff in the trailer that never appears in the movie and there is stuff in the trailer that actively contradicts whatever wound up in the movie so it's a big friggin mess from kenneth Branagh and disney studios and four writers which should tell you everything right there yep four just the people who got credited credited for it right this could be 13 for you never know there are no limits on the number of writers that a studio can employ on a project there is only a limit per wga contract on how many are entitled to credit so we'll never know all the guilty names involved and that's probably just as well but they will go on to kill again Someone will have to stop them, but it won't be us. In fact, I'm sort of encouraging this whole thing because Disney needed to be taken down a peg. And ooh, this is several pegs down. Anyway, Artemis Fowl, series of books by an Irish writer. Won't get into the books because we haven't read them. Would like to extend my condolences to the author of that series. Sure, he made some money up front. But with this kind of thing, the big money is all in the sequels and the merchandising and the subsidiary rights, and I don't think he's going to see a whole lot of that. 
but let's get into it. First thing I'd like to say is, don't you love movies that start with people you don't know saying, let me tell you a tale of this movie? Yeah. No, I just paid 14 bucks for a ticket, not including soda and popcorn. So why don't you shut the hell up and let me watch the movie? Even better, our narrator is Josh Gad wearing Robbie Coltrane's hairpiece from Harry Potter. And and doing his best Christian Bale Batman voice. You know, to me, it sounded more like he was using Michael Ironside's voice from pretty much anything and, and okay that actual yeah michael ironside that sounds better okay you're 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 right uh judy dench was using the christian bale yes list. oh she was i'm oh she was yeah i'm irish batman I, yeah it's like she just top of the morning to you and who like, the hell who the hell did she say that to i mean remember there was that big action scene everyone's like storming the house i know i'm getting ahead of myself but this just made me giggle incessantly you know there was this big action scene everyone's storming the house and the camera pans into her as she walks out of her little fairy ship and the first she says top of the morning to nobody to nobody I assume that when that was shot, there was some reverse angle that would have made sense that she arrived before the siege and was going to give a few words of wisdom or some kind of pep talk to her troops. But no, it was just right in the middle of all the other chaos. And it's like, I I feel like your your sense of timing is off, Dame. (laughs) She obviously didn't make it to the heavy side layer. (laughs) But... But hey, at least she can do the Christian Bale Batman voice. I mean, the thing I really bugged me about Josh Gad, and it's that he's clearly doing a character voice and he is not in command. The voice is wearing him. He is audibly straining to manage it, which makes it hard to listen to for the length of a movie because five minutes in and it was rubbing me raw, like, you know, when you'd get sand in the waistband of your swimsuit and it would be there for the whole ride home in the car. I feel like that, that little sandpapery. You were sunburned. And it's just, yeah, it was an irritant that did not, at least in me, produce a pearl. Also, I was I took issue with the fact that he says our story starts where every great story begins. And already I'm thinking, uh, ease off their store brand, Hagrid. Maybe... Maybe don't set our expectations too high. Also, may I just say, he's a normal-sized person who looks enormously tall compared to the fairies. So there's a whole subplot where Josh Gad is continually saying, I identify as dwarf. And everyone goes, well, you're not a dwarf. You're clearly a normal-sized human being. And he goes, no, I'm a giant dwarf. And this business takes up a just punishing amount of the running time. It's like, why didn't they spend a tiny bit of the special effects budget and just make him dwarf size. They did it in Lord of the Rings. And technologically speaking, that was made like a hundred years ago. So <laughs> what was the point of that? It wasn't funny. Unless it was in the book. Oh, also we find out and we get to see that uh, dwarves, they're tunnelers, they're subterranean, they're great diggers. And just in case we don't get that, Josh Gad's character is named Digger. Diggums. What? Oh, Diggums. Diggums, right. That, that makes it even stupider. Mulch Diggums. And the way they do it, and we, we get to watch this, is they have a sort of flap in the back of their underpants, you know, like a, a union suit where you can you can unbutton your butt when you go out to the outhouse. They unhinge their jaw like a snake, and then they eat dirt, and they shit it out their backside as they tunnel. 
Now, maybe this is absolutely faithful to the book, but it's not a visual I needed in my head. I, I did not need a, a Shisa video starring Josh Gad. But no, I, that, that mouth that mouth is definitely nightmare fuel. Is oh, that what moles do, though? No. I'm sorry? Or no, earthworms do that. They eat the soil, poop it out. Right. But so, I am pretty sure that their mouths don't do the, 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 the Josh Gad black hole. Yeah, I oh, mean, no. the, the one good use of an effect in this movie, and there are a lot of effects and they are almost uniformly poorly used, is where he tried to freak out his interrogator when he's in custody at the end. And you know what he's going to do because you've seen it and it indelibly scarred you. He grabs his jaw and starts wrenching it open and he glances at the camera through which the interrogator is watching because you're not squeamish, are you? All right. At least they set that up. And we can tell, we knew from the very beginning that the effects were going to be bad because if you remember correctly at the beginning, we see young Artemis Fowl doing young Artemis Fowl things like surfing and him on the water looks like a bad PS1 graphic. <laughs> yes, okay, that's, an, that's another good point. Thank you for bringing that up because in Josh Gad's narration, he says, like every great story, it starts in the most magical place on earth, Ireland. And, okay, uh, why is it the most magical place? Is it because of its connection to Fafo? Is, is it a convergence point for, for all the ley lines on Earth? Is, is, it, is it the resting place of the Holy Grail? Um, no, it, it's because of Ireland's kick-ass surfing. Um, you know, you, you, you remember the Beach Boys singing about it. You remember the surf culture in Ireland? Ho-dads ho shooting the curl off Galway Bay. Um, Wish they all could be Dublin Ireland girls. Exactly. And, okay, sure. Yeah, the, the surfing was as bad as the, the windsurfing or parasurfing that Bond does in that one horrible movie where he, has in, where he has the Oh, it was bars. worse. You it was work. worse than that. That just looked like, you know, bad special effects. Seriously, I, I'm not kidding. Well, I, I thought I was looking at a PS1 graphic. That was bad. That was like Polygon video game graphics. It, really, it really was. And it's it stopped me in my tracks. In fact, I had to pause the film to wonder... Okay, they can't all be this bad. A little further on, oh, yes, they are all this bad. And I'm going, how can Disney, which has bought Marvel, which has all the money in the world, possibly put out a movie with this level of amateurish effects? And then it dawned on me, the effects are done after principal photography. They saw what Brannock shot and said, yeah, we're going to cut our losses. I mean, we'll put effects in, but we won't put expensive effects in. Oh, by the way, also, Gad goes on and on about Ireland. It's not just it's the most magical. It's like the f first five minutes, like how Artemis loved Ireland, how it's the most magical place, the greatest place. It's the, the place where Foul Manor is. And then they shoot the whole goddamn movie in England, Vietnam, and Taiwan. <laughs> is that where they shot it? Yep. Oh, yep. wow. Well, I'm watching, I'm going, this, this doesn't look like Ireland. Well, I'm sure it is. It's just <laughs> how odd. And uh, tropical uh, Ireland. So I looked it up. Yes, <laughs> tropical Ireland. Uh, anyway, for those who don't know, Artemis Fowl in the books is a 12-year-old criminal mastermind. In the movie, he's a boy genius, so you know he's going to be annoying. And the only way to avoid that would be to put some twist on the boy genius trope, like he's an evil boy genius, a pubescent Bond villain. Which We're in, in and, the books he is. Yes. We're in luck. He is, but only in the books. They took only that, in the books. They took the interesting twist out, and they just left the annoying. 
The rumor is is that Disney didn't think that like the Disney audiences would be able to handle a twelve year old sociopath as the main character, even though you know there are like seven or eight books that prove there's an audience for it. Right. And, you know, they had no trouble voting for one for president, so I don't see that that's a valid complaint. And also, apparently, he does experience growth over the series of books. I have no freaking clue. Yes. Then at the end, jumping, spoilers, you know, he says, I am Artemis Fowl and I am a criminal mastermind. No, he's not. He never earned it. Never earned it. Never earned it. It's so arrogant. He is because we say he is. We bought the book and we'll make him whatever we want, including the thing that we should have made him from the beginning, but waited till too long to do. That's the Disney way. Over the books, he I mean, he starts off, uh, Holly Short, who's the elf cop, basically they're, they're mortal enemies at the beginning, from what I understand. And then gradually, they sort of have to work together because of circumstances. Artemis Fowl gradually becomes less of an outright villain and more of an anti-hero. And then by the end, they're, they're actual friends. Now, they decided to cram all that into the first movie, which was what I would pin as this movie's original sin. This is what I think is the original sin. I mentioned this to you when I texted you halfway through going we need to talk about this soon <laughs> um the macguffin of the piece the oculus is nowhere in any of the books nowhere in any of them that was completely invented for the movie okay okay let me let me rephrase that i do not know if it was in any of the later books what i read was that it was not in the first book and then i read that it was an invention of the film so ah uh, and and what an invention too it's a very scary grandma's candy dish. It's the fucking Tesseract. It's a Tesseract, but it looks like grandma's cut glass candy dish, which she, where she'd keep those super hard ribbon candies. They would all like get melted and get sticky. carnival glass. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking Fabergé butt plug, but that's just me. Fabergé butt plug. All right. It, it shall henceforth that be the too. Fabergé butt plug. And uh, people... Let's get that trending on Twitter. Artemis Fowl. Hashtag Fabergé butt plug. Justice for the butt plug. So. Well, actually, hang on. While, while, you've, while you've got a pause there trying to find the, 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 the proper words, and because Lord knows it's kind of tough, why don't we go to our expert witness? Okay. Expert witness. Um, why are you, in fact, an expert witness? Why were you called uh, to this court of uh, fucking Kenneth Branagh? Watch out, he's trying to impeach your bona fides. <laughs> oh, that's fine. He can try that. But years, I've seen more law and order ago. than you have. Years, years, years ago? Years ago. Years and uh, years ago. <laughs> it starts where all great stories start. Um, <laughs> in a bookstore. Oh, see, that's better than Ireland already. <laughs> yeah, I found a book. It was called Fairy Tale. And it's by Raymond E. Feist. And it had a really cool looking cover. And I read the back. And basically, it was about how this family gets in the middle of a tug of war between the fey world and the human world. I mean, it had, you know, evil fairies. It had good fairies. It was all kinds of fey. It was okay. really fey. And when I, when Scott was watching it and I kind of noticed, I was like, oh, this is all fairy stuff. Oh, that's kind of like, I wish they had made fairy tale into a movie. That would have been probably better. But it, yeah, it, it took, it brought in all of the fairy tales from all around the world. Not just characters from, from Irish folklore, but from. Right. From India, everywhere. Oh, wow. So now how much of the movie did you, in fact, watch? She was taking care of her mom, so she was in and out. She saw, you know, a little bit here and there. I saw Top of the Morning. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You I saw, mean, I saw bits of it. You probably saw but a half the an hour. Fairy, the fairy that fought the giant and such. I was like, oh, 
So there's fairies in this. Okay. There's fae folk. By the way, that ogre was the worst thing ever. That was that was terrible. The the CGI on that on that thing was so abysmal. As you said, it's the kind of thing you expect to encounter in a video game and not even like a new video game, like one of those old games you get on GOG.com for $3.99. I still say Surfing Artemis was worse, but that troll was pretty bad. Well, there's so much to pick from. There's so many bad. I mean, the visualization of the world was so amateurish and so half half hard. I mean, I think about. Did you notice Brana got another fucking Asgard shot? Yeah, except Asgard looked good. (laughs) Oh, oh, and I got to throw this out here. This kind of, it didn't throw me for a loop, but it kind of made me go, what the hell? When we first see Fey World, Joss Gad, of course, introduces it. And at first he is talking, supposedly he's talking to the um, little BD-1 camera that is the um, bad guy that he's being, you know, interrogated by. But then when he introduces the fairy world, he says, ladies and gentlemen, like he's talking to us. Yes, that was jarring. No, it was. It was very jarring to me. I, I was lying down. I actually had to sit up and go, what the fuck? And this, that was right during his damn cheesy Asgard shot. It's another indication that this movie was pieced together in post and various storylines were invented whole or abandoned. And it sort of kind of reminds me. You remember the um, the Menagerie episode of the original Star Trek? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. So aliens with heads like veiny light bulbs cross between like tulip bulbs and and a really muscular penis. And they kidnap Captain Christopher Pike from the Enterprise and they basically put him in a zoo and make him mate with their one human specimen who they use their metal powers to create her in, in the image of his, his perfect woman. When in fact, she she was the sole survivor of a crashed spaceship who the aliens pieced together, but they'd never seen a human. So she just looks like she's made from the remnant parts of various Dwight Fry characters. Kind of like a potato head. Yeah, exactly. She's got a hump. She's got a limp. She's got yeah, her nose is on the other side of her face. She's basically, yeah, it's like Dwight Fry if he'd been painted by Picasso. That's her. <laughs> That's kind of what I feel the editors did with the movie. Like, well, I've never seen a movie, but I feel confident I can edit one. So, Oh, and speaking of which, they were wrong because during the scene where the troll attacks the house, mm-hmm. there were at least five or six moments where A, I had no idea what the fuck was going on, or B, where the fuck anybody was in relation to each other. Oh, yeah. The, the geography. I, that house attack was beyond confusing. Oh, yes. It, it was beyond Thunderdome confusing. That's probably the best evidence that there were a bunch of plot lines that were dropped or violently condensed, telescoped together with a snap, because I'm not even sure that whole attack was supposed to be one sequence. It it just it seems to contain so much different stuff. It was just thrown together. It's like somebody just picked up pieces of plot like confetti and threw it in the air like they're Rip Taylor. It was it was very confusing. And yes, and when you could see what was happening, you really didn't want to. But let, let's finish the setup real, real quickly, because there is a, an actually very little plot in this movie. It's surprising. Artemis Fowl lives in Fowl Manor in the most magical place on Earth, Ireland, which is so magical it's actually in Taiwan. And he lives with his dad, Artemis Fowl I, who's played by Colin Farrell. And I hate to say this because I usually really like it, but he just can't play a convincing Irishman. I don't know what it is. Just didn't buy it. Anyway, uh, Artemis Jr. is into surfing and the little people because his dad, their, their relationship consists of his dad making him cram for his Fay finals. He's like, he's usually gone 
traipsing around the world. But every time he's back, he makes Artemis memorize minutiae about leprechauns and elves and Brownies. crap like that. And that's their whole relationship. I mean, I guess it's better than my dad trying to make me watch football, but it's not much better. Yeah, so he spends their brief precious time together cramming fairies down his throat. And uh, Artemis apparently digs that. And uh, <laughs> anyway, Fowl the First flies the coop. His yacht is found abandoned in the South China Sea, I think. And suddenly the whole world knows he's a thief of rare antiquities. I don't know how that happened. But but the Fowl's... Well, in the book, it was apparently already well-known, but that's beside the point. Okay, well, but the Fowl's butler, whose name is Butler... But don't call him a butler. ...tells Junior that Dad only stole... Well, they did that on TV. That's right, that was on the, in the comic strip PvP. Mm-hmm. Good grief. Disney, you're ripping off free web comics. You cannot sink lower, but I know you will. So the butler butler tells Junior that Dad only stole to keep dangerous artifacts out of the wrong hands. And he's been captured by one of those masked villains you rarely see outside of a 1940s Batman serial who wants, <laughs> who wants the, the Oculus. This film's I genuinely, I genuinely thought it was going to wind up being Judy Dench for a second, even though the body was was a lot thinner because the voice sounded so much like her Batman. Yeah, well, for all I know, Me she too. did. The, for all I know, she did the voice. Anyway, there's an underground fairy city, and they want the Aculos back. They want it bad because it's like the fairy Sampo. Um, <laughs> the Fanpo. The Fanpo. The Fapo. And they will, they'll cut a bitch to get it, especially fairy cop Holly Short, because her dad was accused of stealing it. So she wants to clear his name. And it's, it's, uh, it's hard to get excited about. There may be nuance and complexity in the novels. None of us are saying there isn't. What we are saying is none of that is in the movie. None of it translated to film. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know how much. Nuance and complexity. It's a it's a YA series. A than Y nowadays. Right. Uh, everybody's always dying, and they're always struggling with dark issues. And uh, I don't know. When I was a kid, we had wrinkling time, and we were happy. Anyway, um, so the masked villain has an unctuous lackey that she somehow gets out of fairy jail and installs at the highest levels of the elf police, just so he can harass and betray top cop Judy Dench. Who? Let me just say. The one thing I love about this movie is Judy Dench because she is playing a parody of every gravel-voiced, hard-drinking Irish police captain in every gritty noir or 70s police series ever made. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did she ever say she was going, she was like, uh, too old for this or I'm going to retire or... (laughs) Was that ever? No, mentioned? no, no. She didn't. She, 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 okay. she didn't. No, but she did tell. She did tell the underling to get the four-leaf clover out of here. Right. <laughs> no, she didn't. Yeah, no, she did. Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, get the four-leaf clover. Somehow out of here. that that joke With... works better on the on the good place. Yes. Just fork off. <laughs> yeah. So how did the villain do this, and and why? Well, the lackeys there is a surrogate, since the actual villain is hardly in the movie. And spends what little screen time she has in a deep subterranean cave making crank phone calls. It's it's like if Journey to the Center of the Earth had starred the Jerky Boys. <laughs> which still would have been a better film than this. Okay. Jerky to the Center of Question. the Earth. <laughs> yes. Question. How do you know it's a she? Because she says her name and the char- I, I this much I read on Wikipedia. Uh, the character in the books is a female, I believe. Oh, okay. 
right. But uh, who knows? It, it, it seems kind of like snow. In that she has nothing to do with anything and is a huge disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. In yes. this movie, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. There you go. I There you go. Fairy Snoke. That's what we have. I, mean, I, I got to say, for, for, it's rare that you get to see a lame character who completely fails to make any sort of impression uh, get get the sort of uh, death that a lame character deserves. Like, ah, just cut him in half. Cut him in, <laughs> cut him in half with that. And like, have him be surprised by it. Like, hey, hey is that part of your master plan? <laughs> so the movie goes on. And we're not going to talk about everything that goes on because at a certain point, I just gave up taking notes. I don't usually do it. I mean, hell, I made it all the way through Strip Nude for Your Killer and took notes. Yeah. But this one just exhausted me. I'm not going to lie. I thought there was a part of me that w- that was going to tell you that um, my Disney Plus went out because Disney Plus didn't want me to watch the film. <laughs> I was, was this close to saying cable went out. <laughs> I-, I did not want to finish the movie, but I'm, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I stuck to it. Plus doesn't Disney Plus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, it gave me the Mandalorian, so I will, I'm willing to... Forgive this because of the Mandalorian. Yes, it, it has a lot of okay. it has a lot of goodwill from the Mandalorian, which it is burning through at an alarming rate. That I will not disagree with you on. Basically, everybody wants the Aculos for their various reasons. There is some lip service paid to the journey that Artemis Fowl and Holly go through over the course of the book series. First book, he just kidnaps her and holds her for ransom. He just wants gold. And where better to get it than from leprechauns? By the way, that's another thing. Maybe it's funnier in the book, but... So she works for the Lower Elements Police. Reconnaissance. Reconnaissance Division. So it's L-E-P Recon. It's Lep Recon. Yep. So, um, I almost texted you when I saw that first, I had to like rewind it a few times to make sure I was seeing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I almost texted you saying, I don't know whether I absolutely despise the leprechaun joke or love it. Yeah. Well, what it did, it was take my mind off the movie because for about two, three minutes, I was sitting there trying to think of like worse puns for fake characters. I was thinking, Ooh, like what if fake people, little folk existed in like Tahiti and then you could have leprechauns. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. See, I feel like, but, but it took me like two, three minutes to come up with something that bad. So I, I, I have to wonder how long they worked on it. Or maybe it's just, a, um, with them, it's just a gift. Expert, a leprechaun in the Fey world is a shoemaker. Well, well, that can't be true because they've got all these pots of gold. Clearly, they're money launderers. <laughs> and that the, maybe they the co- launder yeah, the co- shoe money. Yeah, the cobbler business is just a front. For money laundering, <laughs> which is why they've got all these pots of gold that they can't just have sitting around because the lepra IRS would find out about it. So, you know, they have to hide them in hollow trees or whatever they do. Maybe I'm confusing them with Keebler elves. I, whatever. Keebler I, at this, elves. Point, I, at, at this point, I would have rather watched an action movie starring the Keebler elves. But anyway, everybody wants the Waterford butt plug. And <laughs> Fabergé. Thank you. It's in the house. So they, they send in Mulch Diggums to find it because he's a master thief and he does find it. So that worked. <laughs> and then there's a troll. There's a badly animated troll that, that destroys the set. And somebody dies, but not really. Somebody dies. Not really. Yeah. That, that character dies like several books on and, and is also revived. But uh, yeah. And. The, the elves have this weird admixture of magic and technology. Their tech nerd, their boffin, is a centaur character. Officer Foley, 
because they, they are really not afraid of bad puns in this movie. Oh, God. And he was an African-American, too. The funniest thing about that yep. whole thing was there's a shot, a really ill-advised shot, where he canters across his lab at one point. Oh, that scene. And the yep. CGI is so bad that the bad front and back halves of the horse body do not match up at all. And for a second, all I can see is a poor actor being forced to prancercise. <laughs> I was going to say, I do believe he also neighed at that point, or whinnied. Uh, it, I, oh, he did. Because he was very excited at that point, right. which was why he was doing that little trot. I thought that was in that scene. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, yeah. Ow. So it managed to be just ineffective. But uh, ineffective as a, an effect that fools the eye, fully effective as a, an outrage that offends the senses. But in the end, in the end, everything wrong is turned out right. And the fowls you know, re, re, reunited with their new fae and not dwarf friends go off to combat the bad guy in a se- movie sequel that we will never get. We will never get. So that's a happy ending in my book. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah. The trailer, I thought it was a kid who was like a James Bond kid. So the whole Faye thing threw me. Well, they already made Cody. And that he was. Like, they already made Asian Cody Banks or whatever that movie was with Frankie Munoz. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. They already made Spy Kids. So. There's also a cartoon. Oh, God. That's right. <laughs> oh. But I was literally going, oh, what is he? James Bond? What? So I really had no idea what this was. Artemis Fowl, I had no idea. Yeah, and it turns out he's not, and that all the cool gadgets he gets are just stolen from elves. And there's one, he's, he's wearing sunglasses, which is very men in black. And you think, oh, well, I mean, they explain that because the if you look into an elf's eyes, it can hypnotize you. So reflective glasses are the only protection. Well, that's all glamorization. Glamorization. Right? Yep, yep. Yeah, they can, they can do the glamour on Right. You. So and then and then as as the elves are approaching to invade his house, he says, "I've I've got to put on the I have to do it. I've got to put on the suit." So cut to the suit, and I think, "Oh, it's okay. This is some sort of bulletproof or magic proof or it's a, no. It's just a suit. It's just a suit. He had to change into a suit for the fight scene. Never explained why. I mean, I, I dreaded the explanation because it was going to be derivative and stupid, but I really missed it when it wasn't there. So." <laughs> <laughs> it played with my emotions. Uh, anyway, I think you summed it up pretty well. It's a confusing mess of a movie that lost confidence in its source material and its own solutions to the problems posed by the source material. Basically, you know what it was? It was like Kenneth Branagh at 12 years old with braces and pimples and a cowlick. And he's walking across the gymnasium to ask that cute girl if she wants to dance. And about halfway there, he loses his nerve and then shuffles back and everyone can see exactly what's going on. So it's even worse than if he walked over there and asked her and she turned him down because at least they said, wait, well, you tried. He didn't even try. I mean, there was so much of this this movie that's just bad, cheaply, hastily done visual effects that you know he wasn't there for. And I wonder if he even looked at it. I was I was surprised when you said Kenneth Branagh. I was shocked. Yes, it, this shows you how much care Disney takes with its directors because when he was brought in to do Thor, I thought, eh, yeah, but really, what kind of experience does he have with an effects-heavy franchise like that? And they just got him there for name recognition and coach the actors and to help develop the big shakes. Experience themes. Pro- yes. He probably, again, mm-hmm. 
never saw the effects work until at least a rough cut of the film. But it doesn't matter because Marvel has all those special teams. They have the stunt teams. They have the effects teams. The directors really have one third of the usual responsibilities. So here he was failed or he failed. Basically, everyone failed everybody. I don't want anyone to feel like they didn't join in and fail the others when they were being failed. Everyone did their fair amount of failing. So question, is there even a fascinating thing to be said about this movie? Uh... Personally, if I stretch the definition, yeah. You want me to go first? I got one. Okay, go ahead. All right. The fascinating thing for me, and by that I mean the only thing that lingers in my mind afterwards and has me sort of chewing it over, is that this movie is like the remains of a larger movie. It's like how paleontologists can piece together what a dinosaur looks like based on a hip bone and three vertebrae and some teeth. No, actually, no, this is what it's like. Watching this movie, I felt at certain times like there was a movie with more scope, more world building, more attention paid to the relationships so that we gave a damn. But much of that movie was carved away, leaving this. And it's like when Anakin Skywalker's arm and legs were sliced off and the stumps cauterized by lava. And then the emperor's servants found him on Mustafar, tossed away his torso and head and decided, eh, let's just make a movie about the severed limbs. That'll be good. (laughs) Speaking of which, can I interrupt real fast and give you my irritating? Because you just set it up perfectly. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Okay, this is my irritating. No! Was there a no in the movie? At the very end, yes. When the bad guy's plans became unfurled and the bad guy lost, there was a no. Actually, you know what? That, <laughs> I, I, I think subconsciously that's that's where that whole Anakin severed limb metaphor came you from. You just wanted to set it up for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, you're irritating. My now. irritating. It's the, the flip side of the fascinating. There's, there's the germ of a good movie in here, but it's undermined by compromise and a failure of budget and vision and artistry. It, it's, just, it's just as well this thing debuted on TV because it looks like an unusually lavish pilot for a TV series that will quickly get cheap and claustrophobic and start recycling effects from the pilot every week. Battlestar Galactica. Basically, it's the original Battlestar Galactica. I mean, 80%, yeah. 80% of the movie takes place in an interrogation room or the kid's house. So it's already a bottle episode of a TV series. Oy. All right. Let me see here. Fascinating. All right. I'm not going to lie. I liked the kid. He wasn't as bad as he could have been. I actually did like the kid. One of the things that I had heard was, of course, how, you know, they made him a little more likable. And he, you know, in the in the books, he was much more sociopathic. But I got to say, even for this, the kid was kind of a dick. I mean, he pulls some pretty big dick moves in this movie. You know, I had some hope early on because you see him being unpopular at school and not giving a crap. You see him yes. being psychoanalyzed by the school district psychologist and just being a gigantic dick to the guy. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe what I've heard is an overreaction. Maybe they're just not making him as sociopathic as he is in the book, but he he can certainly be a dick. The one thing I cannot forgive, the cardinal sin of any movie, is insisting that their child protagonist is adorable. No, they're not. They're hellspawn, and I want nothing to do with them. However, if they're just dicks, which is to me what all children are, then at least it's got the benefit of verisimilitude. 
Uh, there you go. And all right, one last thing, Mrs. C, since you did not watch the movie, please give us a random fact about the Fae Folk. Random fact about the Fae Folk. They move around the world at the midwinter, midsummer, midspring. So they're constantly on the move. But I can do a fascinating, irritating. Oh, then go right ahead. Cool. Fascinating. It actually, hearing you guys talk about the movie, it actually kind of makes me want to read the book. Irritating. I kind of want to, too. I, I kind of want I hate to, to admit not it. I hate to admit it. I, it kind of made me want to read the book also. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe the author's getting uh, off better than you thought. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Irritating. I wish they had made a movie out of Raymond E. Feist's book, Fairy Tale, rather than this. I understand your complaint. I feel like this seemed like the better bet as far as franchise material. Yeah, because there's only one book of fairy right. Tale. It's not. It's not a series, and that's what everybody wants to yeah. scoop up now, and that's what they're on the lookout for. And oh, did they burn some bridges? Granted, Twitter is not the world in any respect. Twitter is is a hothouse little biosphere too, full of people who want to kill each other. But there were some genuine heartfelt creed de cours on Twitter when this movie debuted on disney plus and they were just saying i can't believe i waited 19 years to see this movie though those books were so important to me when i was a kid oh i love these books and they just felt so betrayed and they were it's not like they they made the movie too soon oh you know if they made it 10 years later they would have had the technology to realize it no there's nothing they can't do on film now but everything they did do sucked and on that note, I just got a message from Time Dick saying 45 seconds or everyone's getting vaporized. So I think we better call it. I'm not messing with Time Dick. No one messes with Time Dick. Mrs. C, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. That's no, it's well, it, now, now you have an urge to read a book, which is always fun. <laughs> it is. I actually do want to read this series so at the very least the first one yeah thank you yeah. disney plus the streaming service that makes you want to read <laughs> yeah i'm proud of that one i'm proud of that one <laughs> i am jeff three hours behind me is scott and mrs c and until later later